this is Ryan Tucker, and welcome to the weekly sermon with Pastor Stephen. Today, he looks at Romans chapter 6, verse 23, and it's titled, Payday is Coming. You got a Bible day? Open it up. Romans chapter 6. I know I told you I was done with 6. That was my intention. I've got seven ready to go, but I just felt like we ought to go back to 623. 623. Uh, little town that I grew up in, if you wanted ice cream, you had to go to Borum's Drug Store. And at Borum's Drug Store, you had three choices, vanilla, chocolate, and strawberry. Yeah. And then Baskin-Robbins came to our town. (laughs) Do you remember when Baskin-Robbins first started? And this may still be their tag, but their their slogan was, how many flavors? 31. 31. You walked in, you're just like, 31 flavors. This is crazy. And yet today, Baskin-Robbins has what they call a flavor library. Over 1,400 flavors. I I would just assume there'd be some of those flavors we would not want to try. 1,400. My family and I, when when we're going to get ice cream, we like to go to to Culver's. And uh, and they don't don't give me free ice cream because I say that. Unless you know somebody that works there, tell them. Uh, We like to go to Culver's and... And it's an interesting thing because uh, I'm always driving because, you know, my wife will tell you that I'm a much worse passenger than I am a driver. Uh, and I want to be driving. I don't have to be in charge, but I want to be driving. And, uh, and, and so we get ready to pull up and I'll say, I want to know what everybody wants before we get here. Tell me exactly what you want because I do not want to sit there and wait and wait and wait. It's, it's kind of a pressure situation, okay? There are folks behind us. Let's hurry up. Let's hurry up. And so I want to know what everybody wants. Tell me what you want. And they all tell me what they want. And so I'll say, all right, I want this. And then I want this. And then I want this. And then I'm like, hmm, now what do I want? And uh, I really struggle. And they make fun of me for it. And I'm just, and even every time I'm like, all right, I'm going to be better about it this time. And I'm just there and I'm like, oh, uh, uh, and, and they only have like maybe 10 flavors that are on the sign and I'm just struggling with it. And after a little while, I'm like, I'll just have the flavor of the day every time. Choices. I mean, it'd be a little bit easier maybe if all we were choosing is ice cream. But we make some pretty important choices in life. Uh, you choose where you're going to live. Well, uh, unless you're active duty military. <laughs> and you live where they tell you you're going to live. You choose whether or not you're going to get married. Whom you're going to marry. Choose what kind of occupation or where you're going to work. You, you, you choose maybe what neighborhood you live, you choose what school you go. I mean, all these choices, but basically the reason why I go back to Romans 6, 23, and I know we read it last week, but we, we really didn't talk about it much. Romans 6, 23 is going to tell us of life's greatest choice. The biggest decision that any of us will ever make is 
What are you going to do with Jesus Christ? What commitment are you going to make? Now, I know we live in a day and a time where we don't really like the word commitment very much. You, you really don't even see a lot of a commitment. I, I heard about a preacher who was conducting a wedding ceremony, and there's the preacher, there's the bride, there's the groom. The preacher turns to the groom, and the preacher said, do you promise that you'll take her for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health? The groom thought for a moment, and here's what he said. Yes, no. Yes, no. No, yes. Well, that's not really commitment. We're talking about commitment today. Romans 6.23. Some would say the greatest evangelistic verse in all of Scripture. Romans 6.23. Why is it so great evangelistically? Because it is so simple, and it tells us how a person can know that they're going to go from Panama City to heaven. How, how, how to know that they're saved, the terminology we use. How, how to know that they're going to have life and, and, and life eternal and life abundant. Um, look what he says there. Romans 6, 23. And let me just stop before we read the scripture. Some of you are like, oh man, I'm saved. I'm good. I take today off. Come on now. You got an extra hour of sleep. You don't, you don't need to take today off. Here, here let, me, let me just approach it this way. Because, you know, there are folks that, uh, t- to me, it always reveals spiritual maturity when they say something like this. My goodness, all you do every Sunday is preach about how to get saved. Yeah. Yeah, because that's really all Scripture talks about. It's all about Jesus, right? So let me just stop and say this. If you're here today and you're like, well, I'm already saved. I'm already a Christian. I already have a relationship with Christ. Then approach it this way. Thank God what you've done for me. Let it be an encourager. Also, let it be a motivator. Because every one of us in this room have somebody in our lives that are near and dear to us that do not have this. May it motivate us. I love that that young man Rob's up there. Hey, he gave his life to Jesus. Two weeks later at our lock-in, he brought four of his friends that didn't know Jesus, and one of them got saved. Man, that's evangelism. wonder how many evangelistic classes and uh, evangelistic models and brochures that that young man read in those two weeks before he invited that friend to come. We make it so hard, and yet it is so simple. So my prayer is that you'll be motivated. And then my prayer is for some, you'll be uncomfortable. That you'll be convicted. Look at what it says. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Two contrasting truths that we read right here in this one verse Let's talk about them today. The first one is this. We, you and I, we have earned death. He uses the word wages. We all understand wages, right? Wages is something that you have worked for. It is getting a salary. It is is benefiting or receiving what you have uh, diligently uh, performed or worked for. So there's something. It's talking about something that we have earned. And so the Bible says this, the Bible says that every single one of us, you and I are a sinner, are a sinner. You're like, well, that's kind of a theme that you follow, pastor. (laughs) Yeah, because I know I can get that one right every week. 
We're all sinners. Matter of fact, just so your neighbor knows, point to him right now and say, you're a sinner. Do it! Now, return the favor, neighbor. You've only got to say it one time. You don't have to say it three times. Yeah, we're all sinners. Look, I'm a sinner. We're all a sinner, right? And so we have earned death. The Bible says every single one of us, are, are, we have a sinful nature about us, and we have a, uh, uh, a choice that we make. I choose to sin. And as a result of that, I earn death. Now, when we hear the word death, we think about physical death, and that's kind of a little bit what he's talking about here, but he's talking about something much greater than physical death. It's talking about spiritual death, and when he talks about spiritual death, he means an eternal separation from God in a place that the Bible calls hell, that hell The Bible says is a lake of fire. The Bible says that hell is a place of torture. The Bible says that hell is a place of torment. The Bible says that hell is a place where outer darkness is, where there is weeping and there is gnashing of teeth. I promise you guys that there are a lot of people that did not believe in hell that left this earth and they believe it now. But I would have to say, as terrible and as bad as all those descriptions of hell, I think the greatest tragedy when it comes to hell is there is eternal separation from God. Here's what that means. God's presence is not even in hell. Now, right now on planet Earth, there's the presence of God. God's sustaining presence, God's protecting presence. There's, you know, you've been covered by the presence of God. From the very first breath that you've taken unto this very moment, God, whether you're a Christian or not, God has been covering you with his presence. And so in hell, his sustaining presence is not there. His, his protecting and restraining presence is not there. Here's what I mean by that. As bad as the world is today, Right? As wicked as the world is today. Do you find yourself doing like I do? You're like, man, I didn't think it could get any worse. And then I heard the news today. As wicked as as all that is, it'd be a lot worse if the restraining presence of God were not here. Do you understand there's so much that God holds back? That there's so much that God keeps from happening. As bad as it is, I'm just saying it is merely a fraction of what it would be. And that will not be in hell. It's separation from God. So physical death, not nearly as bad as the eternal separation from God. And so there's going to be a paycheck because you and I are sinners, right? There's something that we've earned. And when it comes to this paycheck of sin, this payout of sin, there's a couple of things that I want you to see. The first one is this. It is a payday that is coming, not now, but someday. He says here, the wages of sin is death. And some of you are like, well, should it say the wages of sin are death? No, there's only one payout. It's not a situation to where you're receiving wages and then wages and then wages. No, no, no. It is a one-time paycheck. A one-time payout. And let me just stop and say this. Nobody receives the paycheck for sin in this life. It is a payday that is later. 
Isn't it strange how we'll look around at folks that we're like, man, it seems like they've got it made. And we'll look around at celebrities, and we'll look around at famous folks, and we'll look around at the rich, and we'll look around at the, uh, uh, the upper crust of society. Uh, you, you know, I heard that the upper crust of society are basically just a couple of pieces of bread held together by a lot of dough. You can use that at work tomorrow. Feel free. But we'll look around at folks who have no regard for God, right? They don't go to church on Sunday. Matter of fact, they curse God. They say that what you're doing is foolishness. They say that you're weak-minded. They say there is no God. They'll, they'll profane the very name of Jesus Christ, and we'll sit there, and we'll look at them, and we're like, my goodness, it's like their life is so good. They have everything that they want. Their health is really, really good. I mean, I mean, look, their marriage is just perfect. And we'll sit there. Their kids obey every word they say. And we'll look at our life. And we'll say, but I'm struggling. I can't even pay my bills. And, you know, it's like my health is failing and my friendships are, are falling and, and, and I'm struggling within my marriage. And we're like, it makes no sense whatsoever. I don't even know that I can believe what he says here, that the wages of sin is death because it seems as though they're not receiving the death. Seems like I am. But I, I understand. The payout's coming later. It's coming later. It's not come yet. Their payday's not arrived. It's a payday. Someday. Very first job I ever had where I received pay on a regular basis. I worked at a cafe that was a cafe that was owned by uh, my friend Reno, by his mom. Miss Pat Wilbanks, she owned the Slug Burger Cafe. And I don't even have time to explain what that is. You look at it, Google it after church. But I served Slug Burgers. And so I was involved in sports and like, you know, I want a job, but I just want to work maybe on Saturdays, like eight to five, so I can still go out and do whatever I want to on Saturday night. Do you think, Reno, do you think your mom would hire me to work in her cafe? And he's like, I'm sure she would. Just go talk to her. And I said, well, why don't you work there? And he goes, no way. I'm working for my mom. <laughs> and so I went and talked to Miss Pat. She said, sure. Yeah, that'd be great. Come here. And so I would. I'd go there at 6 a.m. and I would work. And I'd get off around five, and she paid me $40 every Saturday. And so I went, and the very first Saturday that I was there, and I did what I was supposed to do. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, man, I need some money. I, you know, I'm running on fumes. I want to put some gas in my car, all that. And so the day ends, and I'm just standing there, and she's closing everything up, and I'm just standing there. And, and she's like, are you okay? I'm like, yes, ma'am. And I'm just standing there. I didn't really know how this whole thing worked. And I'm standing there, and she's like, are you hungry? Would you like a slug burger for the road? And I'm like, no, ma'am, I'm good. I, I, I'm just waiting for my $40. And she said, oh, you won't get your $40 until next Saturday. Yeah, I'm not going to pay you for today. You get that next week. We keep everybody a week behind. And I'm like, well, you didn't tell me that. <laughs> and then I guess the real job I got when I was bagging groceries at Kroger or as we say in my hometown, Kroger's. I was making minimum wage, $3.35 an hour. 
Yeah, I was getting, re- I was getting rich real quick. And today I saw, that, like, they make $10, $11 an hour to bag groceries. Uh, no wonder my Frosted Flakes cost so much. And uh, I'm like, man, I'm going to make more money. This is going to be good. I'm going to make more money. And so at the, you know, I love Friday. Friday was payday. And that, that first Friday, again, it came. And I'm like, hey, where's the checks? Well, they're over there. You just go over there and you, you pull yours out. And so, you know, they're kind of in the time clock area. And so I'll go over there and I'm looking through everybody's check. And there's no check for me. And I'm like, hey, where's my check? My check's not here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to work two weeks. I, that, that's probably illegal now. I don't even know they'll let you do that now. I don't, I don't know. You'll get paid. It's just not today. And, and the reason why I use that example, that's exactly what he is saying in verse 23. I know that we look around and we're like, they have no regard for God. Uh, it's like they curse God. It's like, it's like uh, there's no salvation. And here I am. I'm trying to be this good little Christian. It seems as though there's no payday that is coming. He says, oh, no, it's coming. It'll just come later. But then there's something else about this paycheck of sin. It pays in useless currency. It's the worst bargain in the world. Listen to what Jesus says. This is in Mark chapter 8, verse 36. He says, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? He's talking about the payout of sin, right? What a terrible bargain that is. So I'm going to gain all this stuff in life. I'm going to get all these possessions, and yet I'm going to lose my soul. Sometimes people get so materially rich and materially selfish that they forget all about the deeper things of life. What happens after life? One of the richest men in the world is Elon Musk the owner of Tesla and SpaceX. Uh, Now, because of our current economic situation, I saw an interview the other day, and Musk said that, uh, unfortunately, he's lost money. So now he is only worth $151 billion. How he makes it, I don't know. But here's what he said. I am irreligious, is what he said. He said, my belief system could possibly be described as an atheist or, I don't know, maybe an agnostic at best. He said, my only faith is in science and in a systematic understanding of the universe and how the laws of the universe work and in humankind. My friend, he may be one of the richest men in the world, but I'm telling you, there are many more folks that are much richer in this room than he is. That if he doesn't take care of his relationship with God, oh, there'll be a payday one day. And he'll lose his soul because he put more stock in the things of the world. One of the greatest preachers of the 20th century, Dr. R.G. Lee, pastored Bellevue Baptist Church, Memphis, Tennessee, He preached a famous sermon called Payday Someday. Dealing with this very verse of scripture here. Preached it over 2,000 times. He'd preach it at at his church at least once a year. Took him over, don't miss this, 
took him over two hours to preach it. And he would talk about the payout and the paycheck of sin. It's coming later. I've heard this sermon several times. Dr. Lee told the story of when he was the pastor of the First Baptist Church in New Orleans, Louisiana. He said we had a radio, uh, a radio show that would go out every single day. And he said there was uh, someone there in that town, an individual, that would send letters every single week. And the letters would be very profane. The letters would be criticizing Dr. Lee. The letters would be criticizing First Baptist New Orleans. It would be criticizing Christianity and anything good and ethical and moral. He said they were so profane, I wouldn't dare let anyone else read them. The guy always signed the letters, the king of the kangaroo court. Dr. Lee said one day he had a uh, phone call from the nurse at the local downtown hospital in New Orleans. And the nurse said, Dr. Lee... I've got a gentleman here, and he says that he doesn't go to your church, but he would really like to see you. And Dr. Lee said, well, okay, can you tell me his name? And she said, he just simply told me to tell you the king of the kangaroo court. And so Dr. Lee headed to that downtown hospital. He said he found the terminally ill side or the wing of that hospital. He said, I expected, I kind of had this in my mind, I expected to walk into a room and see this old jaded individual, this somebody that had just been beaten up by life. He said, but instead, I walked into the room and he said, I would estimate this guy was anywhere from 18 to 21 years of age. Was curled up in the fetal position. Clearly, he had some disease because his body was so emaciated. He said, I pulled up a chair next to his bed, and I said, Hi, I'm Dr. R.G. Lee. Can, can I help you? And he said, the young man said, No, you can't help me unless you want to feed my body to the buzzards when I die, if the buzzards would even have me. Dr. Lee said he stayed there for quite a while just trying to get this young man to turn to Christ, talking about the love of God, talking about forgiveness that is found in Jesus. He said, yet the young man would not be receptive to the gospel. And he said, just before he died, the king of the kangaroo court said this, Dr. Lee, I know that you travel all around the nation talking to people and talking to young people. I want you to do this. I want you to tell those people wherever you go that the devil always pays off with counterfeit bills. Dr. Lee said as soon as he made that last statement, it's like he reached out his hand, reaching for a life preserver. And he said all of a sudden he was taking his last breath with a rattle and a wheeze and he died right there in front of Dr. Lee. And then Dr. Lee would always say something like this. He would say, sin always pays off, but its pearls are clay pearls. Its diamonds are lusterless plastic. Its nectar, Dr. Lee would say, is hog slop. Here's the way I say it. Sin will always take you farther than you want it to go. 
Sin will always cost you more than you wanted to pay. Sin will always keep you longer than you wanted to stay. And listen to me. Sin will always promise what it cannot deliver. There is a payoff for sin that is coming. You won't see it in this life. You won't see it right now. But I'm saying, according to what God's Word says, there will be a payday and it will come someday. And that's the bad news. But then we have the contrasting rest of the verse, which is the good news. There are folks that always say, you should never preach bad news, but yet I've been taught what makes the good news so good is because of the bad news. And so let's look at the good news. Because the good news is this, we can receive the gift of eternal life. Look at the end of verse 23. He says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Have you ever found yourself being guilty of saying this? You know what? God, I deserve better than this. God, I deserve to have the life that they're living. God, I deserve to have this kind of marriage. God, I deserve to have this kind of health. God, I deserve, I mean, I've been faithful to you. I've been good. God, I deserve. Why am I not getting what I deserve? And the truth is, You and I both deserve death and hell. Why? Because that's what we've earned. Because we're all sinners. You remember, your neighbor pointed at you and told you, you're a sinner. Cleaned it up today. I usually tell them to say a dirty, rotten sinner. But you still are a dirty, rotten sinner. And so that's what we deserve. And so the latter part of the verse lets us know that you and I need a gift. When it comes to a gift, you can only accept that gift or you can reject that gift. But he's talking about the gift of eternal life. Now, what is this gift of eternal life? I'd say there's a couple of characteristics that are very important for us to understand what he means by eternal life. The first one is this. This gift of eternal life that is only found in Jesus is always free, but it's extremely expensive. Sometimes people think, well, anything that's free is not valuable. Doesn't cost me anything, so it's not worth anything. Well, no, not when it comes to this gift. This gift is extremely valuable, the most valuable gift you'll ever receive. Romans 8.32, I want you to listen to what it says, and we'll deal with this, I would say, in a few weeks, but the way we move, I don't know, next year. We'll deal with Romans 8.32. We'll look at what he says in Romans 8.32. He says, He did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? I, I, I like, look at that first line there. It says, gave him up for us. Do you know what that means? That means God lavishly spent. God held nothing back. God went on a shopping spree, right? God said, you know what? I'll look. What is the most valuable thing that I have? What is the most valuable to my heart? I know it's my son. I'll give him for you and for me. 
Let's put it in perspective. I'm a dad. We've got three kids. Let's just say that somebody came along and they said, hey, hey, we got a bargain for you. We know that you've got three kids and uh, we know of your love for mankind and uh, we, we, we know you preach about grace and forgiveness and uh, there is a guy over here that is on death row. He's a convicted murderer and he's on death row and he is awaiting. The time is coming in a few weeks to where they will take him and they will place him in the electric chair and they will electrocute the life out of him. But we've got a deal for you. We'll let him go free if you'll just let one of your kids take his place. Yeah, we'll let him go free. You bring your kids down here. They'll stay on death row for a few weeks. And then all of a sudden, they'll march down to the electric chair. And then all of a sudden, we'll electrocute the life out of them. And he can go free. Can I just say, here's how long it would take me to think about that. As quick as the words could come out of my mouth. No way. No thank you. No thank you. Not at all. And some of you, if you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. No way, I don't even have to think about it. No way that I'm going to give my kid up for a convicted murderer. No way that I'm going to allow them to pay the price for his sin. He earned it. And then there are some of you that are grandparents. And you're like, well, you know, I, I might let my kid go, but not my grandkids. No way, my grandkids. Let me pose it a different way. Let's say that somebody I was good friends with, that I had a call saying, hey, I got a deal for you. You got a, you got a friend that you love, and they're a good person, and they're, they're moral and they're ethical and man, y'all are good friends. They love you. You love them. You know, you call them any time of the night and they'd come and they'd call you and, and you'd go. And we're talking about a good friend of yours. They're going to die. But the good news is if you'll just give one of your kids to take their place, they'll get to live. It'd take me about the same amount of time. No. No, I'm not giving my kid. No, 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 I'm not going to do... There, there is, listen to me, there is not anybody that I'm going to let my kid take their place of death. I'm just being honest with you today. Y'all are looking at me like I'm a real bad person for saying that. You're acting like you don't know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Get off your sanctimonious chair. I say that in love and kindness. <laughs> That's the struggle. So, so stop, stop. I want you to get this because many of you in this room, you've heard the gospel over and over and you're like, oh, here's the gospel again. I'm telling you, if you ever respond as a child of God saying, oh, here's the gospel again, then spiritually, well, you got a problem. God said, I'll give my most valuable possession my son to take your sin check payout you, you earned it I mean we're not even we're not even talking about we're not even talking about that good buddy right 
No, 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 no. The Bible says this. The Bible says that while we were still in our sin, while we were still separated from God, while we were still his enemies, he did not spare one single bit. He says, I'll give the very best. I'll give my son. He'll take your place. There's nothing you can do to earn it. It is always free. But do not sit there and say, it is not valuable because it's the most expensive gift that I could have given. Here's the second part of eternal life, okay? It is accepted by receiving Jesus. Always free. It's expensive. How do I get this? By receiving Jesus. John 1.12. Listen to what John 1.12 says. It says, Yet to all who received him, that's Jesus, yet to all who received him, to those who believed on his name, he what? He gave the right to become children of God. I believe the greatest fallacy that happens in the world today, especially within the Christian nation of America, is folks who sit there and say, well, it doesn't. You know, all that really matters is that you believe in God. As long as you believe in a supreme being. Right? I mean, stop and think. I mean, I'm all about tolerance, and you've heard me say this before. The problem is, somewhere down the line, the word tolerance was redefined. Now the only thing that will not be tolerated is intolerance. Tolerance. Tolerance. You can believe what you want to believe. I'll believe whatever I want to believe. This is how I used to understand it. You believe what you want to believe. I'll believe what I want to believe. And then I can sit there and tell you, listen, listen, I love you so much. I want you to know that what you believe is not true. I know the truth. Let me share the truth. Now tolerance says this. You believe what you want to believe. I believe what I want to believe. And we're both right. No. Friend, it's not just believing in a higher power. It's not believing in a supreme being. It's not believing that there is a God or there's the man upstairs. Please understand that there are folks right now that will eternally be separated from God because they sat there and said, oh yeah, I believe there's a God. And there are folks that are even in the church, the church that say, well, it really doesn't matter as long as as long as they believe in something, right? I mean, I just happen to believe that Jesus is a way, but, but, you know, who am I to say that what they believe is not correct and it's not a way to heaven? You are no one to say that because Jesus said that. that we don't even have the option. Either Jesus is the only way to eternal life or he is a flat-out liar. And we don't believe a word that he says. I mean, tear the Bible up. Throw it away. Quit laying it on the coffee table and writing down baptisms and marriage dates. It doesn't matter. No, no, no. It is accepted by receiving Jesus Christ. The Bible says this in James 2, that even the demons believe that there is a God and they tremble, yet that does not mean that they have eternal life. So it's not just believing. 
It is receiving Jesus Christ. And the only way that you receive Jesus Christ is when you sit there and you say, there's no way that I can forgive myself, right? I mean, I know I think I'm better than most folks. I'm better than that guy that lives behind me that throws his beer cans over in my backyard. I'm better. By the way, nobody lives behind me, okay? Don't drive my neighborhood trying to figure out who that is. No, the only way I receive Christ is when I sit there and I say, I'm incapable of earning eternal life. And so, I'm going to repent of my sin. Oh, goodness. We talk about this over and over again, don't we? Repentance. What is repentance? It's a 180 degree. I'm going now in the opposite direction. I'm turning from sin. I'm turning to Christ. I repent of that. I turn away from that. And I receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. That is the only way that you receive him, turning from your sins. Eternal life, it is a gift, but eternal life is in Christ Jesus. And the only way that you receive the gift of eternal life is to receive the gift of Jesus Christ himself. There is no other way. And so here is God, and God's saying this, I am offering you a gift I mean, there's a, there's a check coming one day. You're going to be paid what you've earned. But I'll offer you a gift, eternal life, because I love you. And so there's one of two responses. Either we receive it by faith, or we reject it and say, no, thank you. There's only one of two responses. Always free, extremely expensive, accepted by receiving Jesus. Here's the third one. Eternal life is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ right now. Right now. Right now. Remember I told you a few weeks ago, if you get to heaven and you're there and I don't know, you know, an angel or somebody. And by the way, anytime you hear something, well, you're going to get to heaven and an angel's going to ask you this. Just a, a great, great philosophy to have. Chapter and verse. Chapter and verse. You get to heaven and they sit there and say, hey, by the way, tell us what eternal life is. If you say eternal life is living forever, I'm going to be right there in the corner. I'm just going to be shaking my head. You didn't hear a word I said. Didn't hear a word. I, I'm surprised you're even in heaven. You didn't even hear a word I said. <laughs> eternal life is not existing and living forever. You say, why is that important? There are some of you so miserable right now. You don't want to live forever. There's some of you that are like, you know, if, if it means continuing what's going on right now, this life for all eternity, no thank you. No, no, no. It's not the quantity of life. It's the fullness and how deep it is and wonderful it is and how how good it is. That's eternal life. Listen to what John 17, 3 says. He defines it for us. Now, this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and know Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. What is eternal life? Knowing God. How do I know God? Knowing Jesus Christ. 
Christ. So we can sit there and say, Jesus will not get you to heaven, but there is no way based upon the very words of Christ that we could ever say, Jesus is one way to get to heaven. He doesn't give us that option. It is by knowing God, by knowing Jesus Christ. So can I ask you, as I ask you every week, do you know God? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? See, there are some of you that are listening to me today. You know, you know Jesus Christ the way that you know the historical figure of George Washington. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know George Washington. I've read about George Washington. I've studied about George Washington. Yeah, George Washington, he had wooden teeth. And George Washington, he chopped down the cherry tree, right? You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. George Washington, first president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know George Washington. But you don't have a personal relationship with George Washington. No, a personal relationship means this. It means that it's someone that you do life with every single day. You relate to them on a daily basis. See, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is not, oh, hey, by the way, man, we're like a block away from church. Better pick up that relationship with Jesus because I'm getting ready to walk in. All right, church is over. Let me put Jesus back in the trunk. I might pick him back up if I go to church Wednesday. But if not, we'll pull you out next Sunday. That is not a personal relationship with Jesus. I've got a personal relationship with my wife. She knows me better than anybody knows me. I know her in that same manner. We have a personal, I mean, there's not a day that goes by that I don't speak to her, that I don't talk to her, that we don't engage in each other's life. So when I say to you, I know my wife, I have a personal relationship with my wife. I know Governor Ron DeSantis. I've met him. Shook his hand. I would even say he's probably got a good enough staff if he sent me a card like our previous governor did. He'd make sure that he put Stephen Kyle on the front of the envelope and not Stephen Tyler. <laughs> That's the God's honest truth. I got that, you know. Oh, look, it's a card from the governor. Dr. Stephen Tyler. Mm. I'm not going to frame that one. I've prayed for him at one of his events. I think he's a great governor. I think he's a great governor. I look around at some of the other governors. I'm like, thank you, Lord, I live in Florida. There's a lot of reasons not to be thankful for Florida, but the governor is not one of them. I know that's a political comment, but I'll say it. And, 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 you know, and, and there are folks that are like, yeah, man, I hope he runs for president. I hope, I hope he runs for vice president. First of all, he, he not a vice president. And in, anyway, I know I'd, I'd hate to say anything, <laughs> anything that would burst your Trump bubble. Can I just stop and say this? If you'd talk half as much 
about the gospel of Jesus Christ as you do that Trump had the election stolen and there's a conspiracy because there's no such thing as COVID-19 and the government's trying to kill us all with a vaccine. If you'd spend half that amount of time talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ, this world would be changed different than it's ever been before. Mm. My goodness. Mm. I know Governor Ron DeSantis. I don't know him. And if you were to meet him and say, hey, yeah, my pastor said he knows you. I mean, he's slick enough. You know, he'd probably say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know your pastor. He don't know who I am. Don't know a thing about me. All I know about him is what I've saw on the news and read and all that kind of stuff. But I don't have a personal relationship. I, I, I tell you all that to say, which one of it, when it comes to Jesus, is it for you? Can you honestly say that you have a relationship with Jesus that it's like you have someone here on earth that you relate to on a daily basis. You relate to on a regular basis. You, you, you talk to them. You, 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 you spend time with them. Uh, their presence is in your life. Or are you like, man, it'd be nice to know Jesus Christ if I only could. Well, According to his own words, you can know him. And I go back to the greatest, greatest choice that you'll ever make. You can receive the paycheck of sin. And, and let's just be honest, your name is already on it. You can receive the paycheck of sin. And you will receive exactly what you've earned. Death. Death. And hell. Scripture says nothing less, nothing more. Or you can reject it. And you can say, no, thank you, I don't want that. No, instead, I think I'll take that free gift of eternal life, which is found only through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can give that to me. I, 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 think, I think that's what I'll have right there. I think by faith, I'll surrender life to him. You say, how can I have the eternal gift? I'll close with this. Revelation 3.20, here's what Jesus said. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. A lot of folks say he's talking about the door of our hearts. But behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any person will hear my voice, and open the door. Now, now, hang on, hang on, hang on. See, see, there are some of you that are listening to me today, and every time I say, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? If today were to be your last day, do you know that you would be with him for eternal life? Do you have the abundant life? Are you walking with him right now? Can you legitimately say, hey, my life is different because I know Jesus. He walks with me and he talks with me, right? That is my existence. Can you say, every time you hear me say that, if all of a sudden you're like, I'm really uncomfortable with that question. Yeah, preacher, I wish you'd quit talking about that because it makes me feel, makes me feel uncomfortable and y'all not go to church to feel uncomfortable. Please hear me. If every time you hear me share the gospel, the life-transforming power of Jesus Christ, 
And all of a sudden, it's like your heart just gets tied up in knots. That's the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. I can't convict you. Are you kidding me? I can't convict you. I can barely get half of you to stay awake while I'm talking. And you're like, boy, preacher, every time you say, do you know Jesus? It's like, whoo, man, when will this service get over? I'm ready to get out of here. That's the Holy Spirit of God. You may know about him, but you don't have a personal relationship with him. Don't discount that. Friend, I'm telling you, if you consistently have to sit there and tell yourself over and over and over again why you do have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that might be an indication that you don't have a relationship with Christ. Behold, I stand at the door of your heart, he says, and I knock. And he says, if any person will hear my voice and open the door, listen to what he says, I'll come into them. I'll fellowship with them. Mm. and they will fellowship with me. That's as simple a way as I know. It's what it means to be a Christian. Why do you talk about it so much, Pastor? Because the fear is this, that there will be folks who have sat under my teaching, and they will take their final breath, and they will realize they never knew. Jesus. You see, I believe the calling that I have on my life as your pastor is I'll give an account for your soul. Now, naturally, I can't make the decision for you to be saved. If I did, you'd all be saved. And we'd just sing the entire service. Mm. Payday's coming. Do you know Jesus? Hi, this is Pastor Stephen Kyle, and I want to thank you today for listening to our Unchangeable Truth podcast. Our prayer is that you have been challenged as well as encouraged as we study God's Word verse by verse. If you're ever in the Panama City area, we would love for you to come and worship with us in person at Highland Park Baptist Church, 2611 Highway 231 North in Panama City. If you want to learn more about our ministry and about our church, we would encourage you to go to our website, www.highland, and that's H-I-L-A-N-D, park, P-A-R-K, dot org. If you have any questions or any comments about today's podcast, feel free to shoot us an email at info at highlandpark.org. That's H-I-L-A-N-D-P-A-R-K dot org. Our prayer is that you would continue to draw close to God. And if you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, please reach out to us and let us share with you the greatest story that's ever been told. God bless.